Did you listen to the psalmist's prayer? He prays, search me, know me, try me, see if there's any unclean way in me, and lead me in the path of righteousness, of everlasting life. That's a prayer well worth us praying often. Christians need periodic checkups spiritually. And sometimes we're not as fair with ourselves as we ought to be. Let the one who thinks they stand take heed, lest they fall, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith, 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says. Give the more diligence to make your calling and election sure. Peter would write in 2 Peter 1.10. And the Apostle Paul would put it this way. He would say, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because it's God that works in you both to will and to do His good pleasure. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. So the Bible in the Old Testament as well as the New encourages us to engage in some thoughtful introspection about how healthy we are in our relationship with God. That's important to consider. But really what's being emphasized even more is that we go to God himself, the great physician, and let him give us a look over. Because we know he's always going to be fair, he's always going to be accurate, and he's always going to care for us in his diagnosis. You'll never believe what I'm about to say. The other day I went to a doctor's office and the doctor spent 45 minutes giving an individual a checkup from the top of one's head to the bottom of one's feet. No, I'm not talking about surgery. Not talking about a surgical procedure, 45 minutes. I am talking about an actual face-to-face visit where a number of really good questions were asked about one's health. And an examination was given that was thorough enough in 45 minutes to be able to tell an awful lot about that person's health. Imagine what God could do in just a few minutes if we asked him to give us a spiritual checkup, to search us, to know us, to try us, to see what's going on inside us, and to lead us to greater health in Jesus If that was really something we were concerned more about, I believe that we'd be a healthier, holier group of people and all. Don't you? I think we'd have a greater sense of joy and peace in God. John 14 and verse 27. This morning what I'd like to do 
is to take a little bit of your time and ask seven questions concerning your soul. Seven questions concerning the health of our souls. And they're not going to be all that technical, but I think they are thoughtful questions to consider. Seven questions concerning the health of our souls. How important it is that we allow God to give us a checkup. Question number one. Do you truly and supremely love God and long for Him? Do you truly and supremely love God and long for Him? Like the deer that longs for water. Psalm 42 verses 1 and 2. Psalm 63 verses 1 through 3. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be filled. Matthew 5 and verse 6. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. Philippians 3 verse 10. Do I truly and supremely love God and long for Him? Most of you know this. What's the great commandment according to Jesus? To love God with what? All of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If we can be that type of individual that loves God truly and supremely, even though we struggle sometimes, and we long for Him and more of Him in our lives, I believe that we will be on the path to better spiritual health, that our soul is going to get more and more healthy. Do you supremely love and long for God? That brings me to a second question. Again, it's not that hard. Do you love the church for which Jesus died? It was said of Saul of Tarsus that he went everywhere creating havoc in the church. Acts 8, 1 through 4. But in the very next chapter, Jesus would ask Saul, Why do you persecute me? Acts 9, verses 4 through 6. And ladies and gentlemen, in the mind of Jesus, to persecute his church is to persecute him. As far as God is concerned, when we are hurting God's church, we are hurting him because the church is the body of Christ. Colossians 1.18. Because the church is the family of God. 1 Timothy 3.15 and Ephesians 2.19-22. You cannot hurt Jesus' body without hurting Him. You cannot hurt the Lord's family without hurting Him. And you cannot mistreat the Lord's bride and the church is the bride of Christ. Ephesians 5. 23 
through 33 without hurting Jesus. How do you reflect your love for the church? It seems to me that faithful attendance would be a minimum if we want to be healthy. Shouldn't we pray for the church often? Because the church is God's family, the body of Christ. And shouldn't our involvement in the church be real? It seems to me that too many people think of Christianity merely as a set of responsibilities, but when we think of Christianity as devotion to the God who loves us and saves us in Jesus, every act is an act of love that we give back. It's an act of gratitude and humility. And how that ought to change how we view worship. Do I truly love the church? Before I leave this point, let me ask you this question, and it doesn't count in the seven. But if every member of Westside attended, served, and encouraged, and gave like you, what would the church be like? It's something to think about because we want to have a healthy soul. It seems to me that God has done so much for us to be able to have healthy souls. Amen? And the least we can do is think about that pretty frequently in our own lives because we all know how easy it is for Satan to kind of get in and for our attitudes and actions to not be what they could be health-wise. Number three. Let me ask you this question. What spiritual goals do you have? What spiritual goals do you presently have? I think that's healthy because our God is a goal-making God. After all, in eternity past, He devised a plan whereby we could be saved. God is a visionary, goal-making God. He sent Jesus in the fullness of time, Galatians 4 and verse 4. We think about the way the church would spread, when it would begin, all of these things in the book of Acts. God is a planning God. And so individually, what are your goals? What, what are a couple of goals in your life? May I talk about goals that might be short-term? In the next six months before 2023 is out, I would like to help lead someone to Jesus. That's a pretty specific goal, isn't it? And it's something that's measurable. How about this one? I will not let a week go by for the remainder of this year where I do not pray for our elders daily. I won't let a week go by 
when I don't pray for our elders daily. Do you think that that would be very encouraging to Lynn and to Terry? I do. If you said, you know what? That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make that a specific goal and it'll be measurable. And I'm not going to let a day of a week go by when I don't say a prayer for them. How about this one? I am going to try to take six families out for a lunch that I've never gone out to eat with during the rest of this year. Table fellowship. You know, whenever you're at a table together, it's amazing the conversations that will come up. It's amazing the things that will happen. And one-sixth of the Gospel of Luke is Jesus at a meal, leaving a meal, or going to a meal. I like to call the book of Luke the food lover's gospel for that reason. But it's true. Specific goals that are measurable. These are just a few. And you might even have long-term goals. By the time I'm 65, I would like to have three books written on the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. That's not that far off. But it's a goal of mine. And you know, no matter how old you are or how young, you can have specific measurable goals. For example, there are 260 chapters in the New Testament. 260. And if you read nine chapters every day, you would read the whole New Testament through in a month with ten chapters to spare. Specific and measurable goals. It's good to think that way. And I encourage you to do that for your soul's spiritual health. Number four. In an average week, in an average week, that 168 period, 168 hour period of time we call a week, in an average week, how much time do I invest in studying God's Word, reading God's Word, meditating on God's Word, praying, and praising God? In an average week, how much time do I spend, do I invest in reading, studying, meditating on God's Word, praying to God for others, for myself, just express adoration and love toward Him? How much time do I do that? How much time do I spend praising God in song? One of the things about Cherie that I have loved because sometimes I leave out the praising part in song. So much of what I do as a preacher and teacher involves study and reading and contemplating and, and meditating and praying for people. 
But every day, I hear my wife sing what she calls the song of the day based on her Bible study. You know what? If your Bible study doesn't lead you to praise God more, something's probably wrong with your Bible study. You're not studying it right. How much time in a week do you invest in those activities? I suspect there are people that will spend far more time going to gyms and running uh, around the West Texas desert or walking than they'll spend in reading God's Word, studying God's Word, meditating on God's Word, praying. And you know what? A number of those things you could do while you're exercising. Isn't that the truth? And praising Him. First Timothy 4.16 says, First Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8 rather say, Exercise yourself unto godliness. Discipline yourself unto godliness. That was question number four, right? Question number five. Is there a secret or hidden sin you need to confess? Is there a secret or hidden sin you need to confess? Cleanse me from secret hidden sins, the psalmist says. Psalm 19, 12. Jesus will judge the secrets of men at the judgment. Romans 2 and verse 16. Is there a secret or hidden sin I need to confess? Maybe it's lust. Maybe it is a desire for things. Stuffitis. I've got a bad case of stuffitis. In all the years I preached, I've never heard anybody come forward and say, please pray for me, I've got a bad case of stuffitis. But it's a lot more common than we might think, amen. I have a hard time controlling my tongue. Hidden sins, secret sins. I struggle with pride. It can destroy our souls. Proverbs 16, 18. I cannot control my temper. Through the years, I've struggled mightily there, some might say. Whatever that hidden, secret, suppressed sin is, I can assure you of this. 
God already knows it, number one. And number two, you ought to come clean with him. John 15, verses 4 and 5. Abide in me and I in you. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. I want to grow. To grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 3, 18. To be rooted and grounded in Him. Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. I want to be the kind of person whose love grows more and more in all knowledge and discernment. Philippians 1, 9. And hidden secret sins need to be acknowledged before a God who's willing to forgive. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins. 1 John 1, 7 through 9. Question number 6. Are your relationships with others healthy? I'm not asking are your relationships with others perfect or everything you'd like for them to be, but are your relationships with others healthy before God? What I'm asking is this, is there a sense of bitterness and malice that causes you to keep this person completely at arm's length? Bitterness and malice. Is there a sense of unforgiveness that makes it very difficult for you to even be in the same room with this person? Considering our relationships with others... Are there people that I have been unkind to and mean to and unlike Jesus toward that I need to make things right with? See Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, especially verse 32. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. How are your relationships with others? Husband, wife, parent, child, brother, 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 sister, sister, sister. How are our relationships? I suspect if some of us knew that we were going to pass away at 5 o'clock tonight, some of us would want to make some phone calls and send out some text messages about our relationships with others. Don't you? Question number seven.
What kind of steward or manager are you? What kind of steward or manager are you of your gifts? God has given us life. And life is really precious. And we've only got one of them here. It makes sense to live in a healthy manner before God. Managing His gifts that He's given us. Managing our finances. Managing our time in a way that shows we love Him. That we appreciate Him. The idea of being a steward is this. If a man be a steward, he must first be faithful. 1 Corinthians 4 verses 1 and 2. God has placed into our care an awful lot. For some of us, he's he's placed not just our children, but grandchildren. And for some of you, great-grandchildren. And for some of you that didn't have children, you've got a whole lot of people that consider you part of their family. And it matters. What we say and do with God's gifts matters. One day we will give an account to the master for all that he has so graciously given. And I hope and pray that you will be able to give God a good record of your stewardship. And he will say, well done. Pray with me. Father, help us to be more concerned about the health of our soul. Help us to think more about how precious the soul really is because it came from you. You made it. And because our souls are of infinite value to you because you sent Jesus to die for us. God, help us to ask you more to search us and know us and try us and see what's in us and lead us in the way that leads to life everlasting. Help us to be more thoughtful in being goal-oriented and drawing closer to you. Help us to take our hidden secret sins to you with candor and openness and honesty. Help us to watch our relationships with others because no one can truly love you who doesn't seek to love others. Thank you for hearing us when we pray. And out of love for you, may we long to invest more time 
with you talking about things and may we hear you speaking to us as we look at scripture. God, may all of these things cause us to love you more and to praise your name. We come to you through Jesus. And only through the merits of his perfect life and sacrifice can we call out to you with such confidence and yet humility. We pray through him. Amen. We're about to sing our song of encouragement. End with one question. Is your soul right with God? And if it's not, now is the time to make things right between the Lord and you. Maybe you need to come to Jesus in faith, repentance, and baptism and be added to the church, the family of God. If so, this is a great time to do it. Don't be ashamed. Don't be worried about what others will think. Only desire to be healthy with God. Let us stand.